want to introduce to you our guest, uh, which some of you know, but most of you probably don't, and it's my mentor, uh, Jared Daly, and his wife, Nan. So uh, let's give God a hand for bringing them here. Yeah. Yeah. And Jerry will probably tell a little, bit, a little bit about himself, but he doesn't like to talk about himself. So I'll tell you that um, uh, he started four churches, and one was in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Manor Church. And he turned that over to uh, his assistant at one time, uh, Michael Fletcher, when his, Michael was 26 years old. And uh, the church is flourishing, of course. Um, it's about, I guess it's about 5,000 there, isn't it? A little over. Yeah, a little over 5,000 now. And uh, he started a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and it's flourishing also. Uh, his son-in-law uh, leads that church. Uh, he also planted a church in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, where he is now. And uh, he's getting ready to turn that over, I guess, October the 3rd or next something Sunday. like that, next Sunday, uh, <laughs> to his assistant. So he, he likes to... Start things and turn them over. Start things and turn them over, which is fantastic. So we have a pleasure of having an apostolic uh, person here, uh, our leader of Cornerstone. And I want you to glean from all his, his many experiences and just have hearing ears and seeing eyes. Jared. Well, I love your new digs. Beautiful. You've come a long way. We'll talk about that a little bit afterwards. First, I want to just talk to you about probably my favorite topic, certainly one of them, grace or disgrace. Grace or disgrace. I, I, I want you to know I know what it is like to fail, uh, to be disgraced. To be horribly embarrassed. You, you know life has some embarrassing moments. Have you discovered that? One of mine that I am least proud of. We had just come back from a brief time on the mission field of Thailand as a family. My youngest son was 15. He was not doing well at all. <laughs> that is an understatement. And that night, we had a confrontation. And then he just completely disrespected me. And I did something I'd never done before or since. I just slapped the mess out of him, out on his face. And he was so shocked. And I looked at his face, and I was so shocked. Never have I done anything, you know, like that. And shame just flooded over me. I said, what kind of a man am I? What kind of a dad? What kind of a... I'm a pastor. <laughs> and I just wept. I asked His forgiveness, which He gave. God bless Him. See, I knew what was right in that moment. In your anger, do not sin. But the how... <laughs> the how... The, the ability, the, the, the want to, the power to not do that. When I was so insulted and so, I felt so raw, so hurt. 
And this was particularly perplexing when you realize that I was, was, I am a sold out Christian. Maybe you know what this feels like. Disgrace. Failure. It's not so easy being a mom and dad. Now, when we were coming along, we felt very comfortable criticizing mom and dad, but then it's our turn, and that's not so easy. Coming home, juggling jobs, shopping, cleaning, repairing, fixing, carpooling, solving problems in the family. We, we know about what it feels like to fail. Teens, it's not so easy being a teen today. Especially if you want to lose Christ followers. <laughs> I mean, man, constantly being bombarded with, you know, this is the way you talk, this is the way you dress, this is the way you act, this is what you think, this is what you say, or, 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 or. And, and then we have blended families. Oh my gosh, I'm telling you. Emotional riptides can come out of nowhere with blended families. You don't know where they come, come from. And, and, and you can get so torn up that you, you wonder, how can I love? How, how, can I, how can I respond to comfort others when I'm feeling so devastated myself? So, it's one thing to know what is right to do. And another thing, to want to do it. But then beyond that is, how? How? How, how, do, I, how do I do that? We're talking about grace, the grace of God. It's, it's, it's more than forgiveness. It's help. <laughs> so, particularly in a church where what we want, what God wants, what you want to, is an environment of grace. A place where everyone feels like it's safe here, it's safe to fail, because there's, there's going to be grace to really help me. And so I've titled this Grace or Disgrace. But I'll tell you this, you can't give grace to people if you're not receiving it. <laughs> so I'm talking to you this morning about that. So, my first question then is, what's the how-to answer? How, how do I do this? How do I do what's right and what really is your best self? How do, how do I do that? It's called the grace of God. And then I'll start by asking, okay, well, what is this grace? The classic definition is God's undeserved favor. You know what I always say about that? Is what in the heck is that? What, what, what does that look like? What, let's, let's drill down into that just a little bit and begin to explore what might that mean in some other, some other language. One way I, I've tried saying it is, Grace is God's surprising response to failure. To people who are failing, who need help and want help. It's God's surprising 
practical help that comes. It's undeserved. He gives us both the want to and thank God the how to. Sometimes I say it this way. It's His ability flowing into your empty basket. Um, But a point of clarification. Sometimes we talk about, well, just give me some grace, man. (laughs) Now, what you you might mean when you say that or ask that is give me some mercy. I think that's what you're saying. What you're asking for is a get-out-of-jail-free card. Okay. But the grace of God is more than that. The grace of God actually is a divine impartation that comes into you and enables you to love when you otherwise would not, to forgive when you would not, to not crawl into self-pity or go into, into pornography or lust. or so. it's, it's the grace of God to actually empowers you to be the way that God, God's created you to be. That's different from cutting me some slack. Which is sometimes what we mean when we say, give me some grace. Sometimes what we mean is, cut, get, give me some slack. But I need more than slack. I need grace. Cut me slack means don't expect so much of me. But what God is saying is, listen, I've made you capable of being humble and patient and kind and courageous. And I've got the goods to put that into you. Now that's grace. (laughs) And that's what Paul has in mind in Ephesians when he says, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, don't let any unwholesome or rotten, don't let the wrong kind of words come out of your mouth but only the kind of words that give grace to the person who hears. What's he saying? He wants our words to impart some, some help, some inspiration, some encouragement. Now, we, we know it's got to be God, but he says the words coming out of your mouth play a big role in helping people become the people they really honestly want to become, that God wants us to, to become. Of course, where Christ died on the cross, that is the ultimate picture of grace. That's the definition of grace. And Christians know that and believe that. But it's, getting, it's, it, it's looking at, Christ, at cross, Christ dying for us on the cross and then, and then receiving. How does that work in my everyday life? I'm going to give you some more of my thoughts at least. Here's the way I've defined grace. And this is a little more theological. And then I'll come back to some that are a little less theological. It is God, the grace of God is God doing for me what I should do for myself. But I'm not able. And so He does it for me. What this does is it says, Jerry, look, you ought to love. There's no excuse not to love. I can't say, well, I mean, I can. I have said it. You don't deserve my love. But that's not the way love works. Okay? We often feel that way. You don't deserve, you know, right. So, 
But the grace of God is my, I ought to love you. I don't feel like loving you. I don't want to love you. You haven't acted toward me in a way that motivates me. See, I ought to love anyway. I'm, I'm incapable. I don't have that capacity. But God supplies that, and that's the grace of God. Now, our basic text today is a familiar one that you probably know quite well. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Because this kind of lays out the way, the way God says, look, this is the way life works. For by grace are you saved. Now, the word saved is obviously rescued, helped, delivered, set free. From what? From temper tantrums, self-pity parties, bitterness, unforgiveness, self-hatred, rejecting myself and therefore everybody around me. It's the grace of God. By grace, we can put it in other words, by grace you are being helped. By grace you are being set free. By grace you are being set free to act in ways that, that really are the way you're wired, the way God Himself is, and the way that makes life work. And we do that by faith. But even the faith, doggone if He didn't give it to me. I can't even say, well, at least I believed. No, even that's a gift of God. Otherwise, I would, bro- I would boast. I would be proud of it. <laughs> this, this is... The definition in, and even the gospel that we believe is called the gospel of grace. Or other places in Scripture is called the word of grace. So the very essence of, of, of what Jesus did on the cross, the very essence of what is changing our lives is all wrapped up in this word grace. Everything Jesus did as a man, He did by Receiving grace from His heavenly Father. <laughs> See, And it's interesting that Matthew, Mark, and Luke basically don't mention grace. Luke once, when he says he's a child, says he, he grew in wisdom and grace. But he demonstrated grace all over the place in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Then when we get to the Gospel of John, he's just, John nails it. He says, listen, He was full of grace. And we receive from Him grace. And He came with grace and truth. Now, one of the things I want to get clear this morning. Truth tells us the what. See, I didn't always know that I should forgive. I wouldn't know that I should forgive people who wrongly hurt me. I wouldn't know that except for Scripture. It's like, forgive you, forget it, bud. I mean, that's that's natural. so, So truth tells me the what, but the grace gives me the ability to do it. So, um, when Barnabas was sent to Antioch, he came back to Jerusalem and reported. He said, "You know, he said, I saw the grace of God." Barnabas, what do you mean? How do you see the grace of God? 
What he means is, I saw non-Jews who had been radically transformed and man, they had such love for God, they had such love for one another. This gospel of grace, this word of grace, this power that takes people who are, who are failures, who, who have lived with all kinds of failure and hopelessness, and helplessness and, 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 and shame of various aspects of their life. Not only are they forgiven, but they, they, they are transformed. That's what Barnabas said. I saw the grace of God. And that's exactly the key to your life and the key to Cornerstone and the key to our lives being lived together. You see, the way God saved us by grace, is the only way He'll work. He's, he's wired us so that we get saved that way and nothing else will set you free but the grace. And He says in Romans, He says, For sin shall not be master over you. Well, Jerry, you just slapped your son. What are you talking about? Something mastered you. Yeah, by that moment, I was not operating in the grace of God. I was not receiving the help that I needed. But I felt so disgraced and so shamed that I went looking, not just for forgiveness, but help to be different. To respond differently under those provocations. And so he says... Sin shall not be master over you. Why? Because you're not under law. You're not under just the truth alone. But you're, also, but you're under the grace of God. And, and nobody had a harder time learning that than Paul. Paul was the ultimate perfectionist. He was the gold standard of self-help. Okay. As far as he was concerned... He was doing what was right, and what the heck's wrong with you? Then he met Christ, and you wonder sometimes, well, why, 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 why these 14 years when after Paul becomes a Christian and he knows the truth, and he's got about 14 years blank before he, God sends him out in an apostolic way to plant churches and do that kind of thing? Why? I, I think it's clear. I think Paul had to learn what it was to live on the grace of God. And in order to learn what... I'll tell you, it's not a fun trip learning how weak you really are. This is what Paul says in Romans 7, verse 16. Now, see see if you can't read yourself in this. But I do the very thing I do not want to do. Hello? I agree with the law. I agree with the truth. I should be courageous. I should be humble. I should be loving. I should be forgiving. I should have pure thoughts. <laughs> he says, I agree. This is right. This is good. And Paul goes on to say, you know, nothing good dwells in me. That begins the recipe for grace. And it's the Paul who learns this lesson. It's not going to come out of me. And that's why I have another little place where I try to, I try to 
define the grace of God a little differently. Grace is Christ. Grace is Jesus Christ living in you. The Bible says, the hope of what? And and what that glory means is, the hope of you are looking like your Heavenly Father. The hope of you and I being patient and loving and kind and generous. Oh, really? Me? That? It's Christ. Christ in us. It's His life flowing into you. It's His adequacy flowing into your inadequacy. It's His ability flowing into your inability. It's His help flowing into your helplessness. That's what grace is. In other words, to receive grace, you have to feel very, very needy. You don't, you don't feel needy? Okay, go for it. But you have to feel needy. And then trust Him. That's how grace works. It, another word for grace is His righteousness. What, is, what, what, what does that word mean? His character. His character is given to you as you feel a lack, as you experience a lack. He downloads that into you. Now, here's a warning. Here's the, here's the, here's the, the darndest thing. And this is what happens in church, churches. I get free from some sin. In the process of getting free from this sin, we could name lots of them, I learned to hate that thing. And now I meet you and you're still doing that thing. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and that's how we churches, we Christians can get into judging people rather than remembering, how did I get free? <laughs> because I was needy and saw, and God brought, drug me through a knothole and I realized, and, 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 and His grace came and man, I, he, he set me free from that. By the grace of God, I'm being saved. And what we want here is a climate of grace. If kids walk in here and they've got metal hanging out of every part of their body, and two, tat- everything that's visible is tattooed, and everything that's not visible is tattooed, and their hair is green, or if we've got two guys walking in holding hands, is there an atmosphere of grace? Can I see beyond in Grace Church, Grace Life Church in in Columbia, this morning, the church we've been planting these last four years. Uh, Jimmy is interviewing a gal who was a lesbian from about age thirteen to twenty-two. She's now a missionary. <laughs> she she tells it like it is. You know, God wants us to be such participants of grace that people can walk in any kind of a condition. I, I said the other night that's, that seven and a half million people in our country are living together that they know about who are not married. I want you here. 
If you've messed up, I want you here. There is grace to not only forgive, but to transform and to set you free. And that's what it's about. It's the Gospel of grace. And for us to live that, you know, do, I mean, I'm, I'm from a generation that we didn't have tattoos. I mean, honestly, I mean, you had to be a sailor who'd been around the world. That was the only guy who was tattooed. So, here, here's my takeaway today. If you don't remember anything else but this, this is the one thing I'm going to try to ask you to remember. If you're willing to try to get your life to work without the grace of God, you will. If you're willing to try to make life work without His grace, you will. I'm going to elaborate on this. If you're willing to try to get your life to work out, to do what, what even in your heart you want to see happen, if you're willing to go without the grace, you'll go without. As a matter of fact, I found it not only useless to tell people about grace, but actually can work against them. It can be counterproductive to tell people about the grace of God when they don't really want the grace of God. Here's an example. Comes to me and says, Jerry, I really, I really need more help from God. Brother, listen, let's, let's carve out a time in the morning where you're just reading a little Scripture and you're getting a hold of God and you're praying and you're drawing from the Lord and He's giving you some, some help and grace for the day. And, 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 and so it doesn't work out too well. He doesn't do that too well. And now he feels guilty. Has that helped him? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> That's what I mean. And so if a man is willing to try to make life work without grace, that's what's going to happen. But if you want to be the person that God designed you to be, and, <laughs> and you know from your own failures that you do not have what it takes to do it on your own. Unless you rely upon Christ, Mr. Grace, unless you are drawing from Him and receiving from Him, only then is it going to work. And Jesus has already warned. He's already said, he's already said Jerry, look, son, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you right up front, apart from me, this is not going to work. How many times have I must have blown past that one? <laughs> Maybe you know what it's like. You get up. It's late. You skip breakfast. You grab a cup of coffee. About mid-morning, you're having a low blood sugar. You get a little protein. You go, wow, I feel better. Now, if that's the way you're going to live, why should I get up and cook a big breakfast for you every morning? Because you're going to be too busy. To eat it, you're gonna grab a cup of coffee and go, and you're gonna get that. See what I'm saying to you? If you're willing to live without the grace of God, you will. Now, for those of us who are fed up, trying to trying to measure up, 
trying to have the good life, meaning with people. I'm not just talking about cars and houses. I'm talking about with people. <laughs> you you, you, you want to be able to love. You want to be able to forgive. <laughs> you want to be able to care about people who don't deserve it. You want to be the husband that Paul talks about in Scripture. You want to be the wife that Paul describes in Scripture. You want to be the son to your parents or the daughter to your parents or you want to be the friend to this person that, that it, it, it really is what makes life all about. I mean, we're describing success. And, and you're, you're tired of failure. You want to live by the grace of God. Well, I can coach you. I can coach you. But only if you come to the place of saying, I'm not willing to live without the grace. So, I had, a, I had a wrestling coach, I had a, a gymnastics coach. And the first thing that they would do, for example, like the wrestling coach, he would show me a move. That's the what. The how. <laughs> That's the trick. I need the coach to help me learn the how. And so, Scripture describes... The what and the grace is the how. So, here's another question for us. Why do we sometimes forget to receive grace? We know it. We believe it. And so I want to call the Apostle John to the stand and have him share with you. Apostle John, thank you for coming up. Jerry, it's really embarrassing to be here because all of you know me as the Apostle of Love. Jerry, it's so embarrassing. I, listen, it really wasn't always that way. They called me the Son of Thunder. I was a rabble rouser. I was a rascal. I mean, it's really embarrassing. Especially when you know things were getting tense. We were going to Jerusalem and we didn't know he was going to be crucified right then, but but um, we knew it was getting really tense and we knew stuff was going down and we knew something was about to happen. And so my brother and I, James, we decided we better, we better get what we can get right now. So we got Jesus alone. And we said, Teacher, uh, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you. Oh, Jerry, it's so embarrassing that I think back. Imagine asking Jesus, I want you to do for me whatever I ask you. So, he's so nice. He says, so what do you want me to do for you? So we want, we want to sit one on your right hand and one on your left when you come into your glory. <laughs> we were walking along. Jesus is quiet. He's, finally, he says, can you drink the cup I, I'm going to drink? Can, can you be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? Oh yeah, no problem. He said, well, it's not mine to give. He said, about that time we came into the camp, and in a few minutes, the other ten guys somehow heard all about what had been just gone down. And they were all over us. I mean, they were, 
they were really ticked. And we were going at it all twelve when Jimmy when when, when Jesus just went and he called him to himself, Mark says. Huddle, guys, huddle. He says, listen. And, and, and Jesus was, here we are in the midst of blowing it royally. Um, our pride, our ambition, our being better than others, trying to take advantage of one another and usurp one another and compare, and all that stuff. He didn't say a word about that. He said, you know, in society, people just want authority. And they just want positions. And they want title and they want respect and all this. He says, but look, that's not the way you guys are going to work. He said, you're going to be servants. (laughs) And if you really want to be great, he says, you just really serve. He said, Jerry, I'm telling you, It was so amazing. He didn't even use the word grace, but I felt the grace of God just go right into me. It 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 changed me. It inspired me. It's like something inside of me so different from what I I'd I'd been raised, so different in my school experiences. It's like, yes, this this is for me. So then I ask, I say, Well, John, Apostle John. What's your conclusion about all this? Jerry, he says, listen, there are things in us we just don't even know ourselves. There are hurts in us, wounds in us, touchy places inside of us that we don't even know until it gets touched. And then that stuff comes out. He said, but if you learn the grace of God, you learn, that's where I need the Lord. Not only to forgive me, which He does, but to draw his life, his character, his righteousness. Receiving from him the ability to be pure, to be restored, to forgive, to let go. There, I, I wonder in Christian circles, having counseled a lot, how much unforgiveness sometimes we're really packing because so many times, oh, I've forgiven, I've forgiven, I've forgiven. But I just heard 30 minutes of data that they did. Uh, Sir, ma'am, you're, you're still packing. There is stuff in there. So what happens is, because of God's love for us, He lets us get into situations where, and this is what the Apostle John is saying. Jerry, stuff is, was inside of James. I mean, we didn't know it was there, man. No, Jesus knew. He's just waiting for it to come out. And He didn't just... He gave us some truth. But He gave us grace. So, that's the Apostle John, uh, John's testimony. Peter also learned about grace. And Peter, Peter was a hard sell. Every, everybody else will desert you, but not me. He deserted. He cursed. At the, but later when he writes his book, he says, listen, God gives grace to the humble. Let me put it in other words. God gives grace to the people who need help. So, this is my last verse that I'll use. One of my favorite verses. 
Maybe it's one of yours. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he has said to me, this, of course, Paul's been going through it. Paul's hurting, needy, asking God to set him free, by which he means, get me out of this jam. Jesus speaks to him and he says, My grace is sufficient for you. I have a friend of mine, Jewish pastor, he's a Christian. He will always turn at something like this and say, Believest thou this? My grace is sufficient. How can you say that? Don't you know? Because power is perfected, manifested in weakness. 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 One prayer God's never going to answer. God, make me strong. It's not going to happen. He takes people who are weak and needy and who have to live a life of dependency on the goodness of Christ, drawing from Him His resources. That is the gospel of grace that honors God. <laughs> it's the life of faith. So, uh, if you're unwilling to live without His help, as I come to the end of this, if you're unwilling to live without His help, you can get up a little, er, little earlier to listen in Scripture. I, my, uh, I have an 8 o'clock men's class on Sundays. We call it Hearing His Voice. And we're just running it for 10, 12 weeks, whatever it is. But um, I've got them memorizing a verse every week. Or re-memorizing if, a verse you've forgotten. That's what, half the time that's what I'm doing. I'm, my memory, I'm, I memorize it, and, you know, a few months later, it's like, I still remember some of that. So I'm re- always rememorizing what I've memorized. And, but trying to put some, some Holy Spirit ammunition on the inside. And so they're, they're committed to, to, to meeting with me on Sunday mornings at 8, memorizing at least one verse a week, and having 30-minute devotions five days a week. In other words, if you want the grace of God, say, well, brother, isn't that earning it? No, sir. That's coming to the table. (laughs) The grace is free. But we have to show up. Then use use the verse that you've worked on memorizing and maybe meditating. Use that and pray through it. Then as we do that, we will become a people, I think, who really understand failure. And, and we're not afraid of our own failure anymore because we, we, we've learned to use our weakness and go receive grace. And, and so we, we've, we've learned to really draw from Christ. And that brings a certain humility and it brings a certain reality to us so that we, we're, not, we're not religious, we're not unapproachable. We have compassion. We, we see people in need, but we see past the need. We see the hurt, the rejection, the sexual abuse, the lack of, being, of having fathers, the lack of having mothers, the lack of having role models. 
having too many of the wrong messages come into your and false lying promises that you can be happy by doing this and this and this. And now you're, you are, you meet this man, woman, and, and we say this, he, he or she has like uh, been rode hard and put up wet. You, you've got a lot of miles on you. And you're hurting, baby. But there's grace. Because you're living in the grace of God. And you understand that you need the grace just as much today and tomorrow as you did five years ago when you were in something else. And so, it begins to create a climate here in Cornerstone um, that is a way of life. And that's why Hebrews says, encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called a day. So none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So, we are our brother's keeper. <clears throat> so, I conclude with just this. What will happen if we become the people who are unwilling to try to make life work without grace? What will happen? Number one, you'll do whatever it takes to get grace. Not, not what I do to get grace. You'll, you'll do whatever you need to do to get grace. Because you're not willing to go without it. And then when you see with somebody struggling with bad habits and bad attitudes and wrong choices, secondly, you'll care about that person. And third, you'll become a part of the solution. That's my vision for church. People who receive grace and it makes it easy for other people to come in any place in life they're at. So you, you come. There's grace. I'd like to pray with you, if I may. Um, it's always possible that someone's here. You, you haven't yet kind of started your walk with Christ. You, you can start that right here and now. As I've shared, you may realize that, you know, there, is, there are places in my life where it's been really discouraging and 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 um, I'm not I'm not proud of that, and and I, I need help, and somehow I haven't been receiving it. But right now, like the Apostle John that just talked to us, you can just come to Jesus. He isn't going to condemn you. He will forgive you, and he wants to start putting in his grace. And so we we'll just. Pray like this, and this would really work for all of us. Just something like, just tell them, Lord, here are my needs. Here are the places I really need you. And I'm asking you to clean up my mess here or here. The blood of Jesus, just wash it clean. And then I just receive you as, as my adequacy. I receive you as my help. I receive you as my purity. I, I receive you um, as an ability to, 
to care, love people who aren't doing right. I receive your help. Then why don't we just ask, say, Lord, you know, help me come to the table in the morning time or sometimes when it works. Help me to come to your table and really receive from you your love, your approval, your acceptance, and your help. Thank you, Lord. Well, great. It was really excellent being with you this morning. Um, I've heard that, that Ivy has gone to get food <laughs> and that it's not here quite yet, so we've got a few minutes to hang out. And so Willie and I will take just a minute or two and, and it's kind of a family time and uh, we're going to talk a little bit. He's going to ask me some questions and more just family stuff. Come up, Willie. Thank you for that great message, brother. That's good. That's really good. Thanks, brother. That's what I live on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, You know, we have um, a free lunch after the service, and we will uh, be ready for that uh, probably about 12, 15. And it's going to be food in the lobby, and I want you to uh, partake of that. Uh, If you have kids and you want them to sit down, at a table, we have tables. If you go down to Children's Wing, um, the last classroom on the left, the last two classrooms on the left, they have tables, and the one on the right, they have tables. You can sit your kids down there, and if you uh, can balance your food on the plate and, and walk, it's just fine. We have chairs also in the lobby. Uh, so we'll ask God to bless the food uh, before, we, before we leave. But we'll have, we have some fun fellowshipping and eating. Uh, but I want to ask my mentor some questions, and uh, I spend a lot of time with them on the phone, and when we get together, I ask them questions and things like that. But I have the privilege of, of hearing those answers, but you don't. And I wanted him to share some of his vast experiences with you. So one of the questions I asked him, uh, I, uh, one of the questions, Jerry, basically is, uh, you, you started many churches. You have been where we are. Yeah, yeah. You know? A few times around yeah. the block. You've been there. Okay? Uh, yeah. Okay, you've started, a, uh, you, you, had, you were in a shopping center with one of these churches before you moved into the Chapel Hill facility. Uh, and I want to know from you right. where we are, what do we need to do to go forward the way you have already gone forward three other times? What do we need to do? I guess it depends on... What do you want? <laughs> this is a beautiful building, and there are a lot of miracle stories and sacrifice stories behind it. Prayers, hard work. Just amazing story here. Um, <clears throat> but is this a place to settle down or a place to launch? <laughs> you know, God sent a man and a woman of tremendous character. And they have vision. And the way, the way God changes the world 
He doesn't really change the world through, through, through the pastor. Uh, somebody's got to lead. But that's why it says every Christian is, is a priest. And every Christian has a ministry. And every Christian has a part in this thing. So what I've done with our group in Columbia was a couple of years ago, I said, okay, for this year, there are three things we need to get down solid if we're going to go forward and do this. Number one, I said, I've got to have you... Tags onto my sermon, I guess. This is what I told my congregation. You know, I've got to have a time in the morning with God. I just... My life does not work. You know, if you don't have... I don't care if you're the greatest preacher known to, to, to man, getting fed on Sunday, that's not enough. <laughs> You've got to be fed yourself directly from the Lord. Okay. Number two, I told him, look, guys, you know, if you want God to be your financial source, the Scripture is real clear. You've got to tithe. He gets the first 10%, and that way we begin to see Him as my source, not my job. I'm not giving to Him. I'm tithing. And the third thing I do is that we have to take a, a pledge to forgive. No matter, every time I see unforgiveness in my heart, I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm coming right to, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. These three things I've got to put into a church um, because it's a team. It's a team. And it's going to take a team. We had a great meeting yesterday <clears throat> with a bunch of guys. And Willie, and, and we talked about team in this church and who's going to do what. And, and I mean, these guys were, were fa- you guys were fabulous. You just came to the, you came to the table saying, yeah, well, I'll take, I'll captain this team and I'll captain this team. And we're going to take some, cap- some teams away from Sam because he's got all the teams. And, and we're going to begin to, we want everybody wearing a jersey. Everybody's on the team. We're going to do this together. And... And, 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 and this is our opportunity to reach people for Christ. So we're not a club. We are a grace community that expresses God's heart. And we've got a lot of people in... in uh, well, I'm in Columbia. Columbia is a religious city. And like that, it's a lot like Lynchburg. Columbia International University is there. And there are more churches there than there are people. And <laughs> slight exaggeration, but I mean it's... Literally, you know, I'm in northeast Columbia, 90,000 people there. No, probably two, 300 churches in, in my little neck of the woods. People have an idea what church is like. Fine. But a lot of people in Lynchburg aren't going to these churches. <laughs> they don't really understand grace. Either they've had a bad experience in a church, or the devil just tells people stuff anyway. I got a guy who got saved last week. He's a 30-year-old, uh, one of the area directors for, for Red Lobster. And uh, never been in church in his life, but, but, but believed everything about it was bad. <laughs> and living with a girl, had a baby. And the first time he came to church, I'm telling you, he looked like there was a rain cloud over his head. And, and, and he just began to change. And in the last two months, people who've known him, they said, we just can't even believe he's the same guy. So we just loved him and took him in. We, we have another guy in, in that his, his, his living girlfriend's coming to church. We're, 
we are counseling him. He hasn't come to church yet. But just recently he held a gun to his head and threatened to shoot himself. He's a, he's a drill sergeant. He's army. He's, he's a serious man. We, people need help. This church is equipped with character, with understanding the true grace of God. We've got stuff to give. And so, I would just say, um, you know, it's like coaching. You were a coach for many years, coach. When a kid comes to you to play ball, the motivation to play ball has got to come from the kid. I mean, you can put some, this, you know, you can train him and help him, but he's got to bring something like, I want to play, I want to be on the team. He's got to bring some of that to the table. That's you. We want to help. We want to be a part. Um, so, I, I think that's what I'd say to your people is that you've got a great opportunity here. God's given you a choice piece of land, a beautiful building. You've got a, a man whose character is proven, not like some of the stuff we see on TV recently. And we, I don't mean to cast, I mean just saying there's a lot of that stuff out there publicly. But this guy's proven. You're safe here. And let's go get some other people and make it safe for them too. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you moved, uh, I know that it's, it's very hurtful sometimes when you, uh, you've told me about it, uh, you know, several times and things like that in several different locations that this happened to you, that you tend to lose people that you love, that you care about. You know, you gain people, of course, but you lose people. Yeah. Um, how do you um, help your congregation to work through that? Because it's real. Yes, it's it hurt, is. It's hurtful. Yeah, I don't... <clears throat> you know, I sometimes say only God can love people. <laughs> you walk with people and you will be disappointed. We, you know, somebody we thought was our friend, and now they aren't. I, I remember Nan and I had gone through some things like that. And it must have been about ten years ago. We had to come to a place of saying, we are not going to be bitter. We are not going to be jaded. We are going to be loving to people, accepting them, blessing them. As Peter says, um, when somebody does me wrong, I'm going to bless them. And, and then sometimes just good people, for reasons that I don't appreciate, they feel like, this is as far as I'm going with this bus, I'm getting off, I'm going to get on another bus. Sometimes it's for a good reason. Often not. <laughs> and one of the things that Nan and I have done is that, for example, we're with Grace Churches International a group that we started so many years ago. All of the leaders and my, myself have had falling out. <laughs> we have knocked heads, every single one of these leaders over the years, we've had, I mean, head knockings that would have ruptured. We just decided, we're not doing that. We're family. And so we've just decided, we're not switching family. 
You know, we do that in our families. Sometimes you've got cousins or relatives that just, hmm, well, anyway. And, but they're still family. <laughs> and that's part of what it is to be in a church. And so if a brother or sister feels like this is as far as I'm going to go, I'm going to go over here, bless you. I'm sorry for that. I may not agree with the reason. But I'm going to bless you. I'm going to speak well of you. And I'm going to miss you. But I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep loving. And I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to still make myself vulnerable to new friends. Otherwise, you're going to grow up and be some, some bitter old man or woman that's got all these sad stories. Well, everybody's got sad stories. I don't want to hear your sad stories. You don't want to hear mine. I want to hear good stories like, I forgave that guy and I went on and I've got friends. And I'm caring. This is the day I've got. I'm going to live it. So, do I wish that everybody who had started with us 13 years ago was still here? I do. Um, some of them, God, God may have, by, by, by really in the will of God, may, He may have taken some to some other spot. Some may have left for reasons that weren't the will of God. Thank God they can, it can still be redeemed. But loyalty and family. I mean, you, people need to belong somewhere, Willie. And, and, they, and they need just to plant and stick. Now, if the pastor it doesn't have character and he's not qualified, that, that's another story. But when there's a, a basic moral character and biblical foundation, we, we need to become a part and just stick with it. And if some go this and that, well, I really hate that. Um, I've lost some, I mean, not, I've lost some good friends. I mean, some of these are still good friends, but they're, they left me and went somewhere else. And uh, I wish they hadn't. But for me, I've got to love and be responsible for what I, for my part. And that's about all I have to say, really.